Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 31, Monstrous Regiment. Yep. Usually you go, yeah, or something. Yep. And just waiting for your reaction there. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us what happens in Monstrous Regiment? This is really long. Oh, my God, it is. It's really long. Well, I'm going to go have a drink while you... You uh, might as well. Yeah. Women dress up as men and join the army. Oh, my God. I know. I thought that would never end. A thousand years. Yeah. So this is another one of those. Mm-hmm. We talked about this when we did Nightwatch, where he's definitely turned a corner where things are getting more serious, this more complex. This is era, a new era of books for him. Yeah. And technically, yes, the last book was the first Tiffany Aching right. book, which was more of a young adult book. It's more of a young adult book, but it had some fairly complex themes as well. Yes, I agree. And... There's still funny moments, but again, we talked about this when we did Nightwatch. It's not a comedy book. It's not jokey. No, and... There are jokes, but they tend to be in the mouths of characters, not... Right. It's always character-driven. And there's a lot more complex themes, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of interlocking themes in this particular Mm -hmm. one. Nightwatch had that, too, I would say. And it has some elements of fantasy but only sort of the established like he doesn't introduce any Mm -mm. new things like any new magic things or any new creatures or whatever it's like we're not much magic happens like we have a character who is a vampire but they don't do a whole lot no there's one thing which we will discuss yeah that that happens that is sort of psychic and that is about it yeah but there's not a ton of vampire-y stuff and there's an Igor. Yeah, we but... have a vampire and an Igor and a troll, so like yeah. we're, we're definitely working in the same world. But there's not a ton of fantasy elements in no, this. No, nothing in the story is inherently mm-hmm. fantasy, and you could very easily change all of the details we just mentioned very slightly and tell this story as just a story right. that happened in our world very easily. Like, there's nothing inherent. There's some magic god stuff. That is true. That is absolutely true. And the magic god stuff actually for really for reals happens. It's not yes. like, is no, it happening? No, and it's actually it pretty happening? important to the plot. That's a, yeah. that's a good point that I forgot. That's, yeah. But okay. but there's very little magic in this. Right. So let's get into it. We've, we're we're into this uh, mm-hmm. country that we've never uh, been Borogravia. to before. Right. Which, uh, if, you've, if you've seen the, like, there's an official map mm-hmm. that actually Stephen Briggs, who is now reading the audiobooks. Also, this was a good Stephen Briggs book. Yes, this was a particularly good one. I think Nigel Planer would have done just yep. as well, but he did a, he did an excellent job. Um, but he's the one who worked with Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. to make an official Discworld map. And for the longest time, Terry Pratchett is one of those uh, authors, after my own heart, mm-hmm. who's like, I don't want to codify it. I want to be able well, to then it's like that. make up a new place. And uh, But then Stephen Briggs came back and said, look, you said this is near this, this mm-hmm. is near this. I wrote everything down you've said already. It actually already works. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is writing down what you said. He wrote it all out. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Okay. But what I'm saying is, like, Borgravia had maybe been mentioned. It had been mentioned. Like, there um, there was a joke in an earlier one that was, um, what about the question of Borgravia? No, that's, that's, that's Montab. Montab. But no, there was another one like that ah, that was, okay. and the joke is very much, like, no one's ever heard of this place. Yeah, and near the end, near the very end of this book, we hear what Ankh Morpork thinks mm-hmm. of this place, which is, we've never heard of it until completely unusual things started coming out of there. Otherwise, it's just one of those tiny countries. And human interests. So right. things that 
don't have to do anything with people. Right, exactly. And all of his world building is really coming mm-hmm. together now because Vimes is in it for just a tiny bit. And... Enough to connect. Like, we yes. have enough Ankh-Mor Pork stuff to connect this to the rest. But that's what I'm saying. It connects to a lot of them mm-hmm. in in interesting ways. And William DeWord is in here. And, and Otto's back. Yes, and the My clacks. favorite character. Like... Really, your favorite no, character? No, but I your love favorite, him so much. Maybe your favorite secondary character. He's probably my favorite secondary character. Yeah. I love him so much. He's very good. Oh, and there's a lot more stuff about photography in this that I really enjoyed. Yes, this, yeah. that never stops. So good. It Terry is. Pratchett did not care for having his photo taken. <laughs> I mean, no, it's that nobody does. Mm-hmm. It's that photographers are impossible and yes. have a power over yes. you. And, a magnificent power. And we all resent that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a reminder, by the way, that we uh, take quite a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, in addition to the images you see on our uh, cover art, uh, a lot of extra pictures of us in various Discworld costumes and situations that are we available. We did some real good ones, too. Yeah, we did. We, we kind of fell a little behind, mm-hmm. and so uh, we, we were getting caught up, and we did Hogfather, mm-hmm. and we did uh, the, the vampire one, mm-hmm. um, Carpe Jugulum. Like a whole bunch of them all in a row. I'm really happy with the Carpe Jugulum ones and yes. actually with the ones from The Truth as well. Yes. Those were like, I thought, real standouts. So, so. if you go to either uh, our website, thedeathofpodcast.com mm-hmm. or patreon.com slash Algar and you pledge $5 to our Patreon, you can see all the extra pictures that Amanda, who is a semi-professional photographer, I don't know how to ever say that. Whenever I say it, you correct me. Yeah. So. You do it wrong every time because yeah, okay. I keep changing my mind about how you are <laughs> should... a photographer. I am you... a photographer who has been paid to do fo- like yes. photographic work, but and you I don't do, do a it lot as your it. job. It's not my That's primary why I said gig. Semi-professional, yeah. just like I'm a semi-professional podcaster. Yeah. Um, but the point is, Amanda has taken tons of pictures of the two of us modeling again in various yeah uh, discworldly uh, poses. Yeah. So how many are up there? There's probably like at least there's got to be at least eighty of them up there. There's now. probably a hundred. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry. Don't mean to. Don't mean to just interject a commercial here. Yeah, but, but if, here's if you a weren't commercial. aware of that, you should like seriously. They're really good. We've got some really super cute Death of Rats ones yes. up there. And I was made aware recently that a large portion of our listenership comes from Spotify, which mm-hmm. does not see our cover art, so they might not even be aware of it. Oh, stuff. it kills me. So the cover art's so good. I know. Anyway, back to the book. Um. But yeah, there's a lot of interlocking yep. with with the other books. We so have Red it... Shoe shows up. Yeah, um, so and we... he's not a joke in this, which we had talked true. about um, in Nightwatch, where we're like, ugh, and then he comes back as like a sad zombie joke. And there, there's some sad zombie joke in this, but it's mostly about him trying to organize the Boragravian zombies. Well, I guess let's just let's start on the outskirts before we get into okay. the meat of it. And... There's so much. So this is one, guys. I could talk about this book for like eight hours. Yeah, and I'm going to cut you off in an hour because I hate editing long, long podcasts. Also, no one likes listening to long, long podcasts. Sucks. Yes, exactly. So let's hurry up and get Vimes out of the way. I hate to say that. My favorite character in all of fiction. Really great um, cameo in this. Yeah, he's... It felt weird that he was in it in a weird way because like, yeah, it's great to see Vimes Mm -hmm. again. But on the other hand this is not his job like yes he's a duke and yes when wars happen he's involved we've seen that in jingo we've mm-hmm. seen it come up in other things but it felt weird here there's like a, there's a good bit where rust they meet rust because rust got sent again and insufferable rust, rust. Who i did not realize in my previous yeah. reads of this series is vimes the closest thing vimes oh. has to an arch nemesis yeah because he's like he's terrible yes he is and he and doesn't he care about up. and he doesn't care about people no and he keeps popping up and making vimes life miserable yeah and so uh, he, rust says in a really sort of shitty way that well i'm here as the head of the military detachment which means that vimes is in charge right and i like that uh, our main character mm-hmm. with the soldiers who mm-hmm. we'll talk about in a moment yep. 
looks at Vimes and thinks, oh, that's a sergeant. Sergeant. I, he must have lost his stripes or something, but that's clearly a sergeant. Yeah, and he was a sergeant, and that's how they connect. Yeah, is exactly. sergeant to sergeant. It's very good. But it just felt weird because this war, they talk about it, goes on mm-hmm. for a long mm-hmm. time. Like, he got pulled away from the city for six months or something after his wife has just had their first kid. That seems in character. And... While the city needs, it mm-hmm. doesn't. It's like when Batman goes Carrot's off and there, fights. Though. Like, yeah, but it's like again when when Batman yeah. goes off and fights bigger things. It's like, yeah, but what about Gotham? Like, yeah. Vimes needs to be in Ankh-Morpork Pork doing Ankh-Morpork Pork things and ignoring his wife and new kid. Yes, like, not he doesn't need to leave town no, to you're ignore right. them. You're right about that being in character, yeah. but him leaving the city for this long just feels veterinary made him. I know, but anyway. It's good to see him, and mm-hmm. the scene he has at the end with our main character is quite good. Yep. But he's barely in it. He's kind of, they kind of use, uh, they, again, Terry Pratchett yeah, yeah, is yeah, one yeah. person. Um, Terry Pratchett kind of uses him a couple of times as a deus ex machina, where, uh, like, some- Yeah, but a, by design one, yeah. not a, not because of bad writing. And so he sort of helps solve everything and wrap it all up at the end as, like, a powerful force that can do that. But- He's, which is weird in a story that has literal gods. In yes. It. Um, no, no, no. You need Vimes. Yeah, I know. It's the same with Granny. But he's watching. Who would you rather have on your side? Oh, of course. Wait, between Vimes and Granny? I don't know. Don't make no, me. No, no, uh... no. I mean between a god or oh, Gran. Yeah. Or, uh... yeah, either of those <laughs> yeah. two. Yeah. Um, but let's really get into the meat of it. So our main okay. character is Polly. Yes. Who is the daughter of an innkeeper. Yep. Who wants to inherit the inn that she's been working at her whole life. Yep. But because of the way the politics of her country, like like many places even yep. now are, she can't. It has to pass to her brother for yes. her to be able to run it. And her brother has gone off to be a soldier. To the perpetual war that her country is yep. always fighting against somebody or another. And th- there's a like a real gut punch couple of lines about how in Borogravia, men can inherit men's things, which is, you know land and money yes. and uh, businesses and women can inherit wi- uh, women's things which is uh, small pieces of jewelry mm-hmm. outfits a cat yeah the end yeah no it's i mean yes. we all know and this yeah. is this is a book about gender and it about is. women's roles in society and all of that very the, much so there's a lot of feminism and gender in this book right now up front yes we're going to say we particularly you yes. i can speak sort of you correct me if I'm wildly wrong, but you can speak to the feminism parts. There are some adjacent issues mm-hmm. in this book about transgender issues yes. that we're going to try our best. But we are going to give you the usual disclaimer that a couple we're not, of white guys in a room. We're trying our best. We don't know. Yep. Please feel free to reach out to us if you think we've gotten it wrong. We we even went a little further and read some extra like uh, critical analysis just to see if we were wildly off base well, or if someone had some insights read or yeah. what actual trans people had to of say course. about this. And there's that wonderful book. Um, yeah. It's uh, Pratchett's women. Yeah. Which is quite good. It's, it's mostly a feminist read mm-hmm. on, on Pratchett, but there's some stuff in there about trans stuff too. And, and there was some good thoughts. And ultimately I think we both agree that there's nothing overtly transgender about there's this book. There's nothing overtly. There tons are tons in there that, can apply and may apply. And there's one character who we'll get to that arguably has a trans story. Yes. But there is no character who overtly says, Yes. This is the way I was born. However, this is what I actually feel like I am. It's not in here. It's not there. So to be clear, we're looking for it between the lines 
and there's some things that and there's some work. stuff that seems pretty close to yeah. under under the surface like it's it's not textual but and it, this book was published mm, yeah. in 2003 which means he wrote it in a few years before that yeah. which means the world wasn't talking about a lot of this yep. yet so maybe he didn't have the vocabulary i don't want to guess what his intent was right but it's clear that if he had written this book now, 20 years later, yep. he would have written a bit of a different book. I think so. I think that there would have been... Because Terry Pratchett tends to be... We, can, we could assume he'd be on the right side yeah. of history, but what I'm saying is it would be different. It would be different. I think he would have probably had more things to say about gender and trans and yeah. all of that. He actually, in the last book of the series, which we'll talk about when, yeah, we, when get we get there, to it, but Shepherd's Crown has some more of that in it. Yeah. Where again, it's not exactly a trans story, but there's a lot of trans themes or gender themes anyway. Well, what ends up happening is Polly has to uh, pretend as a boy yep. to enlist in the army yep. to find her brother. And it's just like a folk song. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, mm -hmm. gradually, we meet all the other soldiers, and I'm yep. just going to go ahead and yep. get to this. Every single one of them ends up being exactly the same as she is. Ends up being a girl, for different reasons, right. who joined to run away from a bad situation or to make something of herself because where she was, she could be nothing or I kind of want to do a rundown of, Let's the, do of the squad. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we have um, Shufti. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to use all of their soldier nicknames uh, because they all have a ton of names. Yes. But I'm going to use their soldier nicknames. Shufti, who is a cook and sort of a quasi-quartermaster type character, who also turns out to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. Shufti is joined the army to find the uh, father of to, her baby. The, it, the, the vocabulary mm -hmm. for that changes throughout the story. Yep. Find her fiancé, yep. find her husband. husband. Find, no, it's just uh, the dude, the yeah. soldier who showed up and said, my name's Johnny Wink, and yeah. knocked her up and ran off. Yep. <laughs> and it becomes very clear she's never going to find him, and right. then we get a nice twist at the yeah. end. But you know, There's a great bit where um, she gives him a shilling to go get hammered in half so they can find each other again after the war, uh -huh. and he steals the shilling. Yep. <laughs> um, then we've got... Um, Wazer, who is like a religious Joan of Arc type character. And it's very clearly Joan of Arc. Yeah. Like, and it turns out that the... It, so the situation is Nuggin is their god. Yep. And, and we've met Nuggin before. Yes. Right. In in uh, uh, Dun Manifesto. Yeah. All of the other... Even all the other gods think that, that Nuggin's Nuggin annoying. sucks. Yeah. yeah. And Nuggin is dead. Yes. It's straight up stated in this story that Nuggin is dead. And... All of Nuggin's proclamations are still sort of echoing mm -hmm. around, and the, the the abominations they're called, things you're not allowed to do, just get sadder and worse. Like the sky is abominable. Yeah, blue, the color blue. Yeah. So you so, can't look at the sky. So the idea is that, like, so what do you do then? And everyone just sort of tries not to look at the sky, yeah. I guess. But what everyone really believes in is the Duchess, right? Which is their like religious figure, yep. like you know Queen Victoria yeah. or whatever, like one she's of like the great a, she's monarchs. Like, she's like a god queen, and just right. like in uh, a lot of um, real religions, you don't want to bother God by praying to God, so, right. you, so you pray, pray to, to an intermediary. Right. Yeah, so you and yeah. because this is one of the ways, like we are so far from mm -hmm. color of magic mm -hmm. at this point, but this is a consistent rule from book one on, and we're in book thirty-one yep. now, and this is still held true, and it feels like just a new, better yep. angle on this belief drives everything everyone believes in the duchess so the duchess who is dead yep. is still around right because they all believe in her and so this character who thinks 
the Duchess is speaking to her to to for her great right. driver to her greater purpose right. actually is she really is yeah. she actually so 100% it's like what is. if Joan of Arc but God was really talking to yes. her and, is essentially and it is textual it's it's a real thing yeah we yeah. we go to the keep where the yeah. bodies are and we see we hear this weird yeah like like zombie voice speaking while she yeah. speaks uh so that's that's mm-hmm. um that is Wazer. Uh, uh-huh. Then we have Lofty and Tonker. Mm-hmm. And these two worked at the girls' school, which mm-hmm. is basically a punishment school where it, like bad girls go and yeah. they're basically tortured and enslaved. Uh-huh. Um, and, and there's a lot of like yeah. ugly sexual connotations yep. there. And I think he walked a very good line he of really did. making it clear how horrible it was without it being exploitive or jokey or anything like that. Yeah, and it wasn't um, voyeuristic. No. It wasn't like... And the way that Tonker talked about Yeah, there were a the couple abuse. of things where it was just like, well, there was clearly some, yep. some sexual assault happening there. Yep. And he's learned so much since the early books and... and and he's now mm-hmm. saying it in a way where you don't have to say it, but through the characters, you understand exactly what happened. And that's so good. And the way Tonker talks about it is the way that victims of abuse yes. talk about it. Yes. It wasn't, like you said, it wasn't jokey. We, no. were ta- we weren't in the rape pits in no. this. Like Which was, it was probably a phrase he borrowed from yeah. bar- barbarian stories yeah. to write his barbarian story. But it's so much better and more nuanced now to mm-hmm. say... This isn't a joke. This isn't a a, a, a fun adventure thing. This, this is horrible. It was. This woman has been through a lot. Brief and like. It wasn't even like Star Trek with its rape camps Ugh. where Tasha Yar would just have a speech about yeah. like, yeah. No, th- this was. It didn't feel like no. a man writing about a woman's experience. It felt like he talked to some women and tried to get it right. Yeah, it was really, really powerful. Yeah. Uh, so Tonker is sort of the, um, like the fighter. And in fact, Tonker in this says, uh, that the the school for girls mm-hmm. breaks everyone who's in there, mm-hmm. and what Tonker has is no middle middle ground. Tonker's either on or off, right? And so she's been left with a, a really violent temper and quick responses. Yep. And she says, you know, that Wazer what Wazer thinks she's talking to the Duchess, but she mm-hmm. actually is. It turns out. Mm-hmm. Then we have Lofty, who has sort of just the who is experience. Tonker's partner. Yes, they and are. And it turns out, since they're all women, yep. this is the first very clearly overtly gay couple in yes. Discworld. And they are just a gay couple. They're just two women who yep. are clearly in love with each other and won't leave each other, yep. which and is great. They like they sleep in the same bedroom, yeah. they hold hands, they are in love. And for for a brief period when we're not sure who's who's what, yeah. it's like, oh, I, okay, she went to be with her boyfriend. Oh, well, wait, wait, no, she's a woman too. Right. Never mind. Yep, they're they are both just women. Yeah. Um, and Lofty um, is a pyromaniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of how the the girls' school affected her. Right. Um, then we've got uh, Maledict, who is a vampire, a black ribboner. Uh-huh. After Polly, probably my favorite character. Yep. Maledict's a very good character. And the thing that Maledict um, uh, switches bloodlust with is a lust for coffee. Yeah, I love the black ribboner thing. I love... Like that, that should be an old concept by now because he's used it for five or six books. But each new one we meet yep. does is picks some new obsession and it's different enough from the other ones that the coffee thing feels like kind of uh, okay. But it's actually like, oh, yeah, you know how those douchey people yeah. are. Because at first, Maledict's a little douchey. Maledict is presented as the one who's all, and it, it fits with the vampire mm-hmm. thing because he's always leaning against a wall looking he's very cool. Swish. And he's always looking cool. Yeah. He's always like, they all wear the same shitty, barely a uniform, mm-hmm. but he somehow manages to look dashing in yep. it. And he's always 
like I say, leaning it against the wall and just like, even if he's not smoking, he looks like he's smoking. Yep. And it's just like, that all fits with the vampire thing. But it also like, when you watch a war movie. There's with, always some cool guy There's always the it. one yep. who's a little bit cooler than everybody else. Yep. And like, the coffee thing just fits with that. Yep. But it also fits the Black Ribboner thing. It all like, it all fits together so well. And Otto. Um, yeah, they meets, meet. Yeah. And Otto says to Polly, um, you know, we all have to pick somewhere to sort of. Yeah, it's a nice way to explain the, to yeah. us, the reader, like if this is your first Discworld book, it's a nice way to explain that to you. And uh, Otto says, I'm sure that Maledict thought it was a good idea at the time because you can get, you can usually get coffee. Yeah. And if you, it's it's a normal thing for yes. people to want and yeah. he can get away with saying I'd die I for dive, a cup of coffee. Yeah, or I'd kill for a yeah. cup of coffee. Exactly all that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's Maledict. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got... Um, Igor, who mm-hmm. is an Igor from the Igor clans, except it turns out that Igor is Igorina. Right. Uh, who just, there apparently there's some sexism in the Igor clans too, because of course there is. Yeah. And um, so Igor's, Igorinas don't get to do like surgery. They just get to do sort of nurse work, which sucks. Right. So but she's decided. Yeah. N- n- tracks. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Carborundum, who is a troll, mm-hmm. who is just wanted to get away from, again, the gender norms. Yeah. Of, yeah. It seems that the only society in Discworld mm-hmm. that's fairly egalitarian mm-hmm. is the dwarfs. And then it's only if you don't acknowledge yeah. your gender. So not entirely with them either, because you all just have to present as male. But more than any of the others. In Well, actually, in the uh, the Pratchett's women book mm-hmm. uh there was a passage about how this place makes Ankh Morpork look like a feminist Disneyland well no it made it made Lankra look like that yeah yeah um so so yeah so it's just just sort of running away from that then we've got mm-hmm. the officers mm-hmm. so well we, we have the sergeant yeah we've got well I want to okay. I want to talk about the sergeant yep. last yep. so we've got um the um their lieutenant yes who is like green as grass. Yes, and that's that's sort of the old story, mm-hmm. the 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 young like bright-eyed lieutenant who's who's too clever but also has never fought yep. and thinks he knows best and fights with the sergeant who we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a sec and and that was all very yep. good. Yep, and that's Lieutenant Blouse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a runner about all I love all the, it. His run is a good runner. The officers being named for clothes yep. and then they actually call it out and say, "Well, yeah, they the, you know, this was named mm-hmm. after this, you know, yeah, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Coverall or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end, they create a new thing called a blouse that is not. Uh, it's fingerless gloves. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So the women are in the army now. So yeah. they're going to wear a shirt that's similar to the men's shirts. But, it, but nope. 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 Fingerless gloves. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, blouse has been with the army for a lot of years. And the fact that he's never gotten past lieutenant in like... Yeah, they shut him off into where... the like the the uh, bureaucratic yeah. offices. He's never been in the field. Yeah, and there's a mention of how pretty much anyone who wants promotion in this army can get promotion. Yeah, because they have to fight. Because they, they have ha- to. Yeah. Yeah, and because people are constantly dying and dead men's pointy right. shoes and all that. Right. Um. So we've got that. Then we've got a uh, Strappy who is oh, yeah. like an antagonistic character who actually goes away about a quarter of the way in the book. And I was kind of glad. He he served the role that a sergeant typically would yeah. in this story, the drill sergeant, the shouty, mm-hmm. like, oh, you ladies are never gonna blah, 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 you know, yeah. and it, which was good. It was good to give someone else that so mm-hmm. the sergeant can be what the sergeant was. And uh, so Strappy's a spy for the, like, the political arm of the army, which is like their secret, the army's secret police. Right. And, um... Trying to uncover something. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, And he's 
cowardly and mean and a bully and mm-hmm. and, and when it when it turns out everyone has to go to the field, he suddenly disappears. Yeah. Huh. Because he wasn't he's expecting it. Yeah, he's yeah. a coward. Yeah. Um, and then finally, um, we've got Jack Jackram, mm-hmm. who is like a sergeant's sergeant. Yeah. Um, this not not like Colin, who's mm-hmm. kind of a, a fat joke, but like like Vimes. like a full on yeah, mm-hmm. like like uh, uh, John Keel was supposed to be in the first place. Right. And there are so many war books and movies and stuff that have this sort of archetype, mm-hmm. and Terry Pratchett sort of mishmashed a lot of them together into this wonderful like shouty character who also cares about uh but again i like that he split apart the cruel drill sergeant Jackram's not cruel that's because so many of those characters also have that your arlie mm-hmm. army mm-hmm. every character he's ever played and giving that to to mm-hmm. uh the other character means Jackram could be more kind and yes. Jackram is kind to the unit yep and terrifying to everyone yep. else yep and when it comes time to crack the whip he will but largely he's like he's a good father figure there's um a series of space opera books by uh tanya huff uh and we have staff sergeant torin kerr and it's a very sort of similar people who read the same stuff i do which i assume at least uh, there part must of the be audience some, yeah. it's the same type of character who it's a character who loves their squad but is also tough as nails but will also help people through troubles pretty standard sergeant character i mean the closest thing star trek's gotten to that is chief o'brien but he's you know he's pretty close then we have um and jackram treats members of different members of the squad differently yeah um because he knows that some of them aren't sort of bone like bread in the bone soldiers but the ones who are he what did he call him? The chosen lad or something? The one that that is obviously in line to be sergeant. Yeah, the the chosen man, something. Yeah, like the that. one yeah. the one that becomes corporal almost immediately, yeah. which is first maledict and later Polly. Yeah, and because he knows which ones are soldiers and then which ones are not. Well, Polly, and this is my good thing, mm-hmm. is by far my favorite one-off character. Oh, from, Polly's so good from Discworld. Like, there's there's a handful of characters mm-hmm. throughout the series where, where they never come back. We never see him again. Or they pop up like William DeWord. I would put him in the same category. Right. And she's by far, like, she's very interesting. You pointed out she's a lot like Tiffany Aching, and she is. She's different enough, though. She's not like the same character. She's the no, same, she's same type. Same type of character. And she so easily could have been the boring white guy who's yeah. normally, like, the lead in these types of movies. Well, and near the end of the story, mm-hmm. when it becomes clear, they, it's even called out yep. textually, oh, this isn't even my story, yep. she says. This was uh, the, the Joan of Arc one's story. Well, this is Wazer's story. Right. Yep. I was just here to help her. Yep. But this, you know, Monstrous Regiment, the book, follows Polly. So that's... And that's know. another sort of sergeanty thing, is yes. usually the sergeant isn't the main guy. No. Or even if the sergeant is the main guy, it doesn't appear that the sergeant is the main right. guy. Um, but what I like is... She is like Tiffany mm-hmm. in some senses in that she's very practical, very down observant. to earth, very observant. Um, she grew up in a tavern, mm-hmm. so she knows a lot more than a typical girl her age would. Because she's always she's watching seen, and listening. She's seen people yep. at their worst when they're drunk, when they're trying to play mm-hmm. grab ass, when they're trying to fight with each other. Mm-hmm. Like She's seen things that maybe people her age, particularly girls her age, wouldn't. And this isn't anything, mm-hmm. but... My parents uh, ran bars right. when I grew up, and 
I definitely picked up a couple of things that maybe my friends didn't know because I hung out in bars when I was eight years old and my friends didn't. Yeah, there's just people hanging around being people and being a little drunk, so maybe more likely to say things. And I could kind of relate to that, how she got kind of a crash course in humanity from seeing people at their worst. There's a great bit where she actually knows some sword play Mm -hmm. because she has some of the old soldiers who hang around the bar teach her Mm -hmm. and she picks up the the basics pretty quickly but she pretends like she doesn't so she can keep getting lessons because as long as she's not good it's a funny joke. Right. Oh look at the little girl trying to pick up a sword but as soon as she's good at it they'll all like No time to stop. Yep. Take Uh, that away from her. So she goes into the army with some sword Sword knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But also, as you point out, very observant, very like quick on the uptake, puts things together very quickly, uh, sees how Jackram handles uh, uh, Blouse yep. early on and realizes, oh, this is how the army works. This you, is how you do it. This person is in charge, but I'm telling them what to do with headology. And right. they, don't, they never use headology, but you know, I'm it's using the, the same, parlance of Discworld. It's the same type of thing. It's making someone think that they're in charge, but telling them it's it's the way Vimes sometimes well, he doesn't really handle that Nari like that. No, but, but Nari he, handles he, him like yeah, that. Yeah, but you know. Um but, but Vimes we've seen Vimes handle yep. people like that. And I think that's why later in the book Polly and Vimes like have a moment. And just watching her grow into that so mm-hmm. easily and become what is clearly a sergeant. Right. Is it's so good. It's kind of like first like first night sergeant. Like yeah. it's we we see yeah. a character who is so clearly destined to become a sergeant, right? Learning all of the things she needs to know to do that. And I particularly loved her relationship with Jackram. It's so good. Who gets what she is, mm-hmm. gets what she's doing. Turns out to be the first one that spotted. Yep. That she was a girl and gave her a pair of socks to stuff down her trousers to 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 pass. Right. But like, never says that out loud. Like, look. This is what you've chosen. Yep. I'm going to respect that. I'm just going to help you like with with what you're doing, but also not afraid to call her out on her bullshit because he's the sergeant. Yep, he's still in charge, but he sees sergeantiness in her yes. and spends more time training with her and teaching her and having what he calls yes. little chats. Yes. And it's it's very parently mm-hmm. and I like it a lot mm-hmm. and that's that's my good thing that's my favorite thing it's about this oh book. it's so good yep. but let's talk about your bad thing though since we just did all sort of the character introductions oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay well I'm glad you did that and I've already forgotten half mm-hmm. of those characters yep. because okay so I'm ADHD and I have pr- sort of a problem with this anyway mm-hmm. like if a character doesn't have some very distinctive thing for me to latch onto, sometimes I, I forget names sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to keep track of who's who and in this book Three or four of the ones who aren't a vampire or the main Mm -hmm. character or a troll or something blend together for me. And then you had the added complication of they all end up being women with different names. So they've got their regular first, like they're they're like their given name, their assigned at birth name, their lady names. Mm -hmm. Then they've got their... First name, pretending dude names. to be a dude names. Then they've got their last names, which are they're sometimes called that. Uh, that one can work sol- in the either, yeah, yeah, in either context. And yeah, and it could be. And either, then and some then of them have nicknames. Nicknames. They all have. They all have nicknames. Yes, and I had a real hard time keeping track of who was who. And also, I guess they had distinct characters. A lot of them, but it's kind of hard to say what. Wazer was like, let's say. I right. don't know. Some of the secondary soldiery characters didn't have a ton of stuff. Like, they had a right. couple of things, but we also meet all of them in one chapter. Yeah, the way to do that for someone like me is to introduce them one at a time and give them some 
very standout thing that only they would do mm-hmm. and then move on to the next one. That's how the watch books have a cast of over a dozen watchmen and I know who everyone is because they each come in one at a time. And we met them all when they signed up at this bar. So we met them all in one night. From Polly's POV, just here is the group. And that's fine. But I had a a lot of front loading the characters. Yeah. And I had a hard time throughout the book. And basically what I had to do was wait when a name was said, Mm -hmm. wait for them to do something and say, oh, that's the Joan of Arc one. one. That's the pyromaniac or whatever. But I had a, I had a real, and that costed a letter grade for me. That was that kept this from being an outstanding book to being a very good book. And that's true of a lot of the because we've watched some old army movies while we've been watching all these old movies. Yes, and we run into the same problem there when you've got three bland, meat-faced guys who yeah. have the same hair. Yeah, it's like, and they're it's all Jack, John, and Joe. And I'm like, what the fuck one is that? Yeah, you have to give them distinct personalities. Yeah. It's it's better to cast people who look a little different or yeah. have different voices. It, you know. Just that kind of thing. And I had a little trouble with that. But I mean, that said, it was an excellent book about like putting aside the gender thing, which we absolutely should not for most of right. this discussion. That's that's the book. Yeah, it is. But putting that aside for the moment, it was also a good young soldiers go to war book. Yep. He hasn't written one of those before. Nope. It's it's sort of one of those classic stories that fits very well into this world. And he did a good job with it. And again, uh, doing what he always does, taking sort of the pieces of things and putting it together in a new way and in a very accessible way. Right. And the first time I read this book, I had a real problem because I thought the whole point of Mm -hmm. it was, this one's a woman, this one's a woman, this was, you get it? It's a joke. And It's not. It's not. It took me a minute to adjust, and by a minute, I mean a decade, to adjust to the switch in tone of Terry Pratchett's approach to things. I think the... My experience with this book is true of a like a, a bunch of people who read this book. The first time I read it, I didn't like it all that much. Like I thought it was okay, mm-hmm. but I thought it was one of his sort of weaker books. And yeah. after coming off Nightwatch and the first Tiffany book, I was like, oh, I don't really care for this. Mm-hmm. Then I read it again and I'm like, oh, wait, no, yeah. I do like this book. And then I read it again, like I've read it a couple times yeah. since. And each time I read it, I like it more. I think a lot of it for me was mm-hmm. adjusting from the funny books to the serious books. Yes. Because I thought it was meant to be a joke because it's presented the same way a joke would be, but it isn't a joke. Just like a lot of Terry Pratchett's stuff, it's he uses the joke structure right? because it's a good structure, but this is not a joke. No, and the story, the, the reveals could have mm-hmm. come near the beginning and it wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. They come by the halfway point, you know, almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Like there's one big one at the end. Right. But other than that, uh, so it's not the whole story, but it's it's a lot of it, and I don't think it would have made a difference. Like I think if you'd just gotten it out of the way on page five and moved on, if Polly just realized, you know, it wouldn't like. I was annoyed. I think the first time reading through, because I was like, okay, get on with it. They're all yes, exactly. they're all girls. Please, let's just move on. And then it does. It yeah, but it it was a little like I was just waiting for it. I think, but it has a sense of like the first one is a shock. Then the second yeah. one is like, wow, really? There's more? And then a bunch? Yeah, and then like, a whole oh, bunch okay. more? And then yeah. all of them? Yeah. Like, Because he knows, too. He knows doing it one at a time would be exhausting. So, But I think I think that that experience that I had with this book, a lot of other people did. They certainly, yeah. like, when I was reading through reviews and reading some critical analysis, that really felt like a lot of people's experience. The first yeah. time they read it, and they're like, eh, this is all right. And oh, then, I get the joke. Yeah, no, uh-huh. you don't. But then you read it, and that kind of takes me to my good thing, yes. which is... The just and I've I've talked about this before, but the sheer density of this book it has yeah there's a lot of so interlocking much going things. on, 
we've got the sort of uh, folk tales, like a folk song story of the girl going to war. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of gender stuff. There's a lot about how like monstrous nationalism and Mm -hmm. war is. And then we've got some Ankh-Morpork stuff in the March of Progress and not wanting to homogenize your culture to be Ankh-Morpork culture. No, and and there's definitely some more contemporary stuff Mm -hmm. in there about how the, the prince that they're fighting mm-hmm. with right now wants to be like Ang Morpork, being a lot like the sort of Eastern European despots right. when the Soviet Union collapsed, wanting to build their country up the same way as America. Right. And like, okay, first of all, aim higher. Yeah. But second of all, like, you you to get to even where we are, you, you can't just start this way. You yep. have to build to it. And there's some good stuff in there too. There's and there's like... some there's some good stuff about the like the rottenness of a of a religion that's crumbling in upon itself, oh, yeah. and a, a, the oppression of women and the oppression of everyone under this ridiculous religion. Yep. And actually, if if you don't mind, I'd like to read. No, no, go ahead. Go quote, ahead. Um, which is um, why Polly had stopped uh, believing in the religion, mm-hmm. um, or believing in the Duchess rather. Yeah. And it starts with her uh, identifying birds, uh, but it leads into this. She hadn't set out to be an ornithologist, but birds brought Paul alive. Paul's her her brother. All the slowness in the rest of his thinking became a flash of lightning in the presence of birds. Suddenly he knew their names, habits, and habitats, could whistle their songs. And after Polly had saved up for a box of paints off a traveler at the inn, he had painted a picture of a wren so real you could hear it. Their mother had been alive then. The row had gone on for days. Pictures of living creatures were an abomination in the eyes of Nuggin. Mm -hmm. Polly had asked why there were pictures of the Duchess everywhere and had been thrashed for it. The picture had been burned, the paints thrown away. It was a terrible thing. Her mother had been a kind woman, or as kind as a devout woman could be while trying to keep up with the whims of Nuggin, and she died slowly and painfully amid pictures of the Duchess and among echoes of unanswered prayers. But that was the memory that crawled treacherously into Polly's mind every time, the fury and the scolding while the little birds seemed to flutter in the flames. Oh, so good. And that says so much about religion mm-hmm. and about losing like your respect and your faith for your for yep. your parents and like there's a lot going on in just that passage. It reminded me a lot of my grandma who was just a horrible old iron lady. Um and she said to me once, Amanda, there's no such thing as God because if there was God, there wouldn't have been the depression. Uh-huh. End of conversation. Yep. <laughs> So it, re- it reminded me of that. Like, if, if there was a god, it couldn't be like this. Or if there is a god and it's like this, fuck him. Yeah. No, and, and Terry Pratchett wrestles a lot with his mm-hmm. humanism and his atheism and all that stuff. And I like that. There's a lot of that in this, too. I like how he writes a fantasy world where gods exist and mm-hmm. can still manage to, like, uh, write about that. Right. Like, that's that's a hard line to walk, too. Well, okay, but you made a world with gods in it. Yeah, but these people don't believe in them. Right. <laughs> Or they exist, but just because something exists, like doesn't a mean waterfall, it deserves your prayers. A waterfall exists, so yeah. what? Yeah, that doesn't mean you need to devote your life to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. It it has so many like interconnected things, and there's so much in here about gender, yep. and there's so much in here about. But it's all very readable. It didn't yes. like, despite the density of it. Yes. Um, and the complexity of the plot, and the number of characters, and all mm-hmm. of the themes. I didn't have to put it down and be like, okay, I need a minute. I could just, like, honestly, we kind of shotgunned this one. Like, we, yeah, we did. We read this in like two sittings because we're like, okay, well, just a little more. Yep. Just a little more. Yep. We just do this a little more. It was very, very good. Yep. Um, and there's a lot about, like, the reason I am hesitant to say it deals with trans stuff is yep. because 
and again, I'm not qualified mm-hmm. to talk about this. This is me trying my best. Yep. But it feels like if you make it about that, it takes away from just the basic feminism of it. The basic women need to present as men to get by in the world, which is a whole separate thing. That's two different things. And it's honestly, that's something that trans scholars um, are struggling with. I would imagine so, because they seem like the same thing on the surface, but they're so not. Because in actual real historical life, there are women who dressed up as men in order to be able to fucking do literally anything. Do they do it to pass or do they do it because that's what they wanted? But there are also historical figures who... Uh, women who dress like men because they were men. Yeah. Um, so, and, and how we can sort of see some of that is like by reading their journals and their letters right. and all of that well, kind of that's stuff. That's not but always available to it's us. It's not always available. So there are some folks who they may have been doing it in order to gain literally any agency. And there yeah. are some folks who are doing it because that was their correct this gender. Is, this is my identity and... This is this is the correct thing. And yes. with historical stuff, yeah, it can be very difficult to tell. Yeah. And this book, it was difficult to tell with some of the characters. Most of these characters, I think, were women who dressed up as men to gain agency. Right. Because they were running away from their horrible lives yep. or because, like Polly, wanted to have the same privileges as a man would have. Uh, the one character who I think there is some question is actually... Jackram. Right. Um, and this is the reveal that comes at the very end. The very end. It turns out that uh, Jackram also right. dressed as... Uh, like What happened with Jackram was uh, she was... He was assigned um, female at birth. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead continuing using male program, pronouns for Jackram, but I that might that not be... That is always how Jackram presented and chose to present. So, so. I, I'm going to continue with that. It might not be correct because it's not entirely textual. No, but Jackram is the only one in the text who was offered the choice because Jackram was leaving yep. the service and could, could choose to revert, could yes. choose to say... There's no more need to do it this way. I could I could be a woman now if I wanted to be yep. and said, Nope, I'm not. And yeah. that's a good reading of that, I think, because it's because Jackram says that. Right. So Jackram says to Polly, um, how how Jackram joined the army was he his boyfriend joined the army mm-hmm. and he decided he was gonna go with him. And he he talks about how they had like this oh such a sweet sad beautiful scene it was a very where, good story where they had good they had such good times together and they saw the world mm-hmm. and jackram got promoted because he had a shouty voice mm-hmm. and uh his boyfriend didn't because he had a bit of a stammer but mm-hmm. his boyfriend didn't care and they just like they went on adventures together and they stayed together mm-hmm. and then uh jackram's boyfriend died mm-hmm. and it turned out that jackram was pregnant Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jack had a bunch of leaves, so yep. left for a while and took care of that. Yep. Not, not took care of it, like got rid of it, had the baby, had the baby and like chose to have the baby and, um, had the baby set up, uh, to be apprenticed as a blacksmith. And it turned mm. out that his son, uh, is is an excellent blacksmith and he's jackram seen like um another soldier who's got a sword that his son made and, and mm-hmm. all of that and so jackram admits all of this to polly because they have a connection right um and uh also uses it because jackram it turns out has been uh finding other like has been finding 
women who've dressed up as men and helping them to, right through the through the whole sort of process and right. it turns out mo- like half the high command of the well, there's army an excellent is, yeah. like the the climax of the story is essentially a gender reveal party in a in a courtroom mm-hmm. which is very good just like oh what about you martha mm-hmm. or whatever not martha why did i say martha <laughs> but you know and and that's all very good. But at the very end, Jackram decides he's going to retire because he's getting old and... War he, has stopped. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, what does an old soldier do when there's no more war kind of things? And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And Polly says, well, why don't you You go... know you have grand... Like, uh, your, your son's son, still alive yeah. and has a kid. Why don't you visit your grandchildren? Yeah. And Jackram says, well, I don't want to be, like, a sad old... Woman. Like woman going mm-hmm. back. And Polly says, well, you've been a man this whole time. Just, Just stay a man. Go back and be the proud man that you are. Yeah. And Jackram's like, oh, yeah, I will do that. Yeah. I could be the kid's grandfather. With, yep. Like this this child has not known either mm-hmm. of his parents. This would be real easy. Mm-hmm. And um, like I say, I, I think that that could be read as that's, a trans story. That's not a bad interpretation. But I don't know. It's not entirely textual. It could be. I've done this for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's right, and it was always was mm-hmm. right, or it could be I've done this for so long, it's just comfortable. It there's could, it there's could also, different ways to read that. It could also be one last, the only way I can go back and continue having agency is by continuing to be a man. Being this brave character that I created yeah. for myself. If I go back to the girl that I was, that is not, that that yeah. person is not brave. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm not sure, and it's not like I say it's not textual, but it seems yeah. like no, I don't think like that's a, a bad good, reading. Yeah. But again, you know, once again, we don't know what we're talking about. We're yeah. trying our best. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> Jackram has this great runner throughout this, then where uh, he shouts, "By my oath, I'm not a shouty man." He does mm-hmm. it while he's shouting. And, yeah. By my oath, I'm not a violent man, mm-hmm. and then does some really yeah. gory stuff. And, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, that is the payoff. And to that. every time he does that, it's like, ah ha ha, so good. Mm-hmm. And that's what Polly calls him out on. It's like, I've been watching you. And yeah, you say that. And, and you say it to everyone yeah. and they just don't hear it. Yep. But I hear it. Because Polly always, yeah. yeah. She'll so, she's so sharp, she'll cut herself, mm-hmm. as other Discworld characters might say. Yep. But oh, Jackram was Jackram was so good. No, and I love their, like I say, I love their relationship. Their relationship was so good. Yes, it was. Um, and for two characters we've never seen before and we'll never see again. That's especially... It's hard to do that. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be for... For books, because a book should introduce you to characters and take you through a whole relationship. But this is a series, is and a series. he's he's got the crutch of being able to say, "Okay, you know Sam Vimes, but now here's the next thing." Right, and and you can like he does a lot of building yeah. upon what he's already written. And yeah, but here book, all the character stuff is from scratch. Yeah, and this book there's not a ton of that. No, all the characters we've met before don't really grow. Like Vimes and William DeWord and mm-hmm. and Angua and all those people are just doing what they normally do. There's no you know, there's no arc for them because it's not their book. Right, right, right. So let's talk about your bad thing. Okay, so my bad thing is another fucking moving pictures bit. Yep. Where um, Strappy goes through everybody's stuff and steals things that's important to them before mm-hmm. he deserts. Um, and what he steals from Maledict is, uh, the coffee, the coffee beans and smashes up Maledict's coffee maker. Mm-hmm. So Maledict loses his, the thing that he sublimates his bloodlust. Right. Um, and so then, uh, at first it's, he's just like worried about, um, you know, he's going to suck people's blood, but then he has, starts having some dumb uh, Vietnam Well, flashbacks. they're called flash sides yeah. because it's like. 
you know, I, I get the psychosis. I don't get mm-hmm. the psychic projection of those so that everyone is seeing like yeah. a Vietnam movie play. It's like he did a bunch of research and watched a bunch of war movies yeah. and was like, how do I work in like Charlie's in the trees mm. and helicopters and like, you don't. And Flight of the Valkyries and all that. You don't. This and is this world. You've chosen to work in this fantasy world. Stay here, man. Yeah, I didn't care for that. And we also kind of lost Mal's character for yeah. the the last, like sort of like the the middle. Like, no, about, I, w- I would say two- after that, yeah, like he recovers, but she recovers, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. Yeah, but up to that point, she's a very strong presence prior yeah. to that point, and a a friend for Polly who is as smart as Polly. Yeah, that was something that I liked about the book overall was the uh, the relationships between the women yes there was a, s- a strong bond the that pratchett's women yeah. book talked about how the first time she was really upset mm-hmm. reading this book that there were no like it ended up being there were no like male mm-hmm. um allies right which is an important part of a, of a women's story of course but then she's like yeah but there are women allies and relationships between women yeah. which is just as important if not more important it's just women like helping each Propping other each other up yeah. which is also difficult yeah. sometimes I, I think the only real um sort of male ally we get in this is possibly jackram unclear um yes. and blouse. then blouse yeah definitely because blouse is yeah. a dude for sure yeah and there's no question of gender identity stuff there. No. He dresses up comically as a woman to to, to sneak into the oh, keep as a yikes. washerwoman. And I thought that was, like, the fact that they accepted mm-hmm. him, I thought it was supposed to be like, well, obviously they know he's faking mm-hmm. and they're just going to throw him in jail. But that never came to anything. I guess it's just the joke is that people will accept the comedy right. woman. And that's fine. But it, it was just, it was kind of funny. I, it was kind of off. It was, the mark, it, was a, it was a little broad. I don't think it was tasteless, but I think it was just it didn't land for me. Tonally, it felt strange. Yeah, like, with the rest of this. Not book. like when Nobby dressed up as mm-hmm. a woman, woman, and it's kind of a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. It's just like mm, what's what's happening here. Yeah, it just it, it felt tonally a little a little yeah. off, and it yeah. went on for a bit. So it was like yeah. Um, it was funny, though. I did laugh yeah. at a couple of it. There was another there. thing that wasn't, um, this wasn't my official bad thing, but there's a character called Rigglesworth that everyone keeps referring to, who is, uh, so Rigglesworth is always getting dressed up as a woman for various reasons. Uh-huh. Um, and it's sort of, it's unclear, but it's, the, it's he a He was joke. into theater a lot, yeah. and he liked decorating, and like yeah. every gay stereotype is shoveled upon this person who is also a cross-dresser, which is not the same thing, Terry Pratchett. No, and it wasn't very funny, and it felt a little mean-spirited. And it's like for a book that deals with complex gender issues and sexuality issues, Mm -hmm. like there's a full-on lesbian couple here who there's no judgment there. Mm -hmm. They're just here together, and they love each other, and that's it. It just felt like, where did that come from? Yeah. And, And we also had the return of the insufferable fat jokes. Yeah. Jackram is supposed to be very, very large. Yep. And as you pointed out, it's okay when he when, makes when Jackram's making that. Jackram makes this really great joke where he says, uh, "You know, join the army because every day is a feast. Look at me. How could it not be?" Yeah, and then pats his giant belly. Yeah, um, and there's some good stuff like that. But again, mm-hmm. we have the narrator making fat jokes, and then we have Polly making some fat jokes. I think and, my, like, the narrator was mostly making them on Polly's behalf. Like mm-hmm. we're kind of not first person, but basically first person in her head. And, and yeah, and Polly's not mean no and polly doesn't make these mean jokes about anyone else particularly people she respects yeah there's people in her bar Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that she thinks shitty things yeah. about, rightfully so. But this person has basically come in and mm-hmm. been her second father. And then she's just making mean jokes about him in her head. And that's that's terrible. Yeah, there's a bit where Jackram has a belt on and it's just there to mark the equator. Like, it's just yeah. some real, like, some real hacky yeah. fat joke stuff. Yeah, and he goes on a roll with these where he's like, you know, your mama's so fat. Like, yeah. oh my God, let it go, man. Yeah, so that that was, I didn't want to make that my bad thing again because no, I know I've made that my bad thing. it happens in every thing. Agnes yeah. story too. And it's. Oh boy, I really hate it. Yeah, yeah, it's not the best thing. But yeah, so my sort of official one was, yeah, Maledict's uh, yeah. cross sides or whatever. Yeah, the, the Vietnam, yeah. Wasn't, was not funny. No. Um, I thought there was, uh, speaking of like mm-hmm. complex issues and mm-hmm. stuff, uh, we go to where the battlefield is and we go to the sort of the tent city that exists mm-hmm. around a battlefield and we see these, they call, they're called tents of ill repute. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before the, the quote-unquote whore pits from mm-hmm. before and how far we've come from that because he's dealing with sex work in a way that feels much more, and maybe it's off-base. Yeah. This is another thing I can't speak with authority on, but it feels much more respectful and sad in a way that is real instead of, it's mm-hmm. not a joke, it's just, no, this is how it is. And what the These, what the these sex, women are here to, to... What the sex workers say is like, yes, we do this, but we don't get beaten, we get paid for the work... They have, have effectively have, a bouncer. Yeah, we have free time, and if anyone gets rough, we've got a bouncer, and the madam takes care of us. How is it better when you're married? Yeah. And the answer is, it isn't. Right. But also, they're all very worn and mm-hmm. haggard and all that, but it's not like... But part of that is because Borogravia is a goddamn mess, and there's not enough food to go around. Yeah, exactly. And actually, Jackram talks about... Um, he thought what he was going to do reti- when, when he retired was possibly open up um, like a brothel. Right. Uh, but like he's like, no, no, but like a... I'd get a madam to front it for me, and it yeah. would be classy, and I would take care of uh, no, he the says people there. To, one of the ways to keep the front going mm-hmm. was to go into those places, mm-hmm. pay them a lot of money, and then read a book, and just tell them, hey, look, you need some rest. I'm not one of those mm-hmm. guys. You, you just sleep for an hour, and I'll read my book. And that makes the, the, the lads think, oh, there goes oh, Sarge oh, into oh, the oh, tent. Oh, her, her, her. But yeah. yeah. And over time, I imagine he got to know these women and, and respect them and yeah. probably just like wants to you know wants to help him out and that's pretty cool like it's just it's nice to see like we've had some of it with the seamstresses but yep. he's getting better at talking about sex work yep. as not it's being not a joke no yeah but it's still not like this glorified like utopia of a thing either it's still got its its downsides it's, yes. and its sadness and it's all that and it's like it's it's a new layer to that which i like because the seamstresses in Ankh Morpork basically have a great job and they're taken care of and that's that right like, they don't they don't endure a lot of hardship once we get to modern on pork there's right. a little bit but for the most part it's, it's like mostly this is a just, great job it's just another it's just a job yeah yep. it's just like in every other guild only yep. they get paid better they get to dress nice and mm-hmm. presumably some of them enjoy the work but here he's also talking about some of the, the downsides without compromising right talking about it maturely and i just, I don't know i just thought it, it was it worth was calling out definitely more mature than we've seen in yes. previous books yes and i'm glad uh what's your quote um so my quote i'm not really like a tear up at media kind of guy i'm just no, not like not. a teary guy yeah um but this one really sort of stuck it to me he's he's got a way of, of hitting you right yeah. in the heart and yeah. you, as you say you're not always affected by stuff like that yeah. I, there's usually a moment in just about every book, after about the halfway point in yeah. the series, at least once he gets me. But 
hardly ever gets you. So it's like, well, I'm glad this works on someone else. Yeah, I'm just not like a just no, I know. sort of overall. I'm just not really a weepy no, but guy. He's, but he's very good at this. Yeah, Come this on. was this is so good. Yeah. What was that all about? Said Tonker. He was talking about the theater. Said Maledic. What's that? An abomination on Tanuggan, of course. Said the vampire. It would take too long to explain, dear child. People pretending to be other people to tell a story in a huge room where the world is a different place. Other people sitting and watching them and eating chocolate. Very, very abominable. I would like to eat chocolates in a great big room where the world is a different place, mumbled Lofty sadly. Oh, that one really. Oh. Yeah. I also would. I would like that too, please. Yeah. And you haven't been through the things these characters <laughs> no, have been but, through. That made it extra sad. No, it did. But I yeah. listened to that and it's so um, yeah. summed up. Oh no! I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. Yep. Oh no! Uh, this I can't has been think me in like much. five or six podcasts. I can't. So I can't. I can't. No, I'm not. But um, I'm not gonna mock you for that. Come on! Mm, it just made you feel a thing. This is he's is a good author who made you feel something. Oh, uh, feelings! Good. Embrace it. Oh no, feelings! Embrace it. But it it just it sort of hit me because like yeah, I want that too. Yeah. <laughs> Please. But also, this poor girl's been through so much. So much. Like you know. Yeah, you want that, but you didn't... Everybody you know. wants that. Yeah, of course. Uh, so final thoughts, we need to start wrapping things up. There's, uh, you know, as we always say, so much to talk about. Oh my about, God, I could just... Yeah. This one particularly. Yeah. It's got so much going on. Well, any any sort of main points that we haven't touched yet? Um, Let's see here. Because there's a lot of little things we could dig into, but I think we've covered all the main salient points. I want to read one more quote. All right. Um, it's a bit of a long one, so okay. sorry about that. Don't be. Uh, this is at the this is at the end where um, after the big sort of uh, reveal that everybody's women mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying to decide sort of next steps in the war. Right. And this is when Wazer has her real big Joan of Arc Duchess moment. Right. Um, so the Duchess takes over Wazer and is speaking through her right. voice and everyone who knows the Duchess recognizes her and there's no question this is happening. Yes. Um, and... Which is good. That would have slowed the story down yeah. if people had that moment where they had to prove it too. But, uh, the no. General Frock, who is the head general, knows... Met the actual yeah. Duchess when she was still alive and there was a moment where it's yeah. like, only I would know this. So that was so, good. So we know it. Yeah. Um, so she says, um... I am weak, but I can move small things. Thoughts, perhaps. I will leave her something. A light in the eye, a tone in the voice. Follow her. You must invade. Certainly, but how? You must invade Borogravia. In the name of sanity, you must go home. The winter is coming. The trusting animals are not fed. Old men die of cold. Women mourn. The country corrodes. Fight Nuggin, because he is nothing now. Nothing but a poisonous echo of your ignorance and pettiness and malicious stupidity. Find yourself a worthier god, and let me go." All those prayers, all those entreaties to me. Too many hands clasped that could be more gainfully answer your prayers by effort and resolve. And what was I? Just a rather stupid woman while I was alive. But you believed I watched over you and listened to you. And so I had to. I had to listen, knowing that there was no help. I wish people would not be so careless about what they believe in. Go. Invade the one place you've never conquered. And these women will help. Be proud of them. And lest you think to twist my meaning, lest you doubt me. Let me, as I leave you, return this gift. Remember, a kiss, a kiss, a kiss. Return to you a kiss, remember. As one woman, as one man, the crowd in the room reached up hesitantly to their left cheek, and Wazer folded up very gently, collapsing with a sigh. Yeah, the kiss thing we didn't mention when mm-hmm. they enlist, they kiss the Duchess. They yes. kiss a picture of the Duchess. It's, it's a lot like taking the king's shilling right. in the watch. 
Like, we've seen this kind of thing before. And so it's kind of a nice callback to that. And again, it's so sad holding on to the ghost of this woman who was just a woman, but she can't move on. Like I said, I thought of her like Queen Victoria. Mm -hmm. Yes, very like. So many things were done in her name Mm -hmm. that weren't necessarily things she wanted. And so many people carried on in that spirit long after she was relevant. And like, I'm sure there are other monarchs like that, but that's the one that I know. So and it was oh it was just it was so good and the idea of what you need to do is stop fighting and fix your own house yeah, in, now invade this country yeah. was such a good way oh, to put so it so good because yeah that pause that mm-hmm. you read that invade and there are all the oh, soldiers okay. like where we are we going to invade that. your home yeah invade your home go home and fix it <laughs> yeah. fix it. Like one of the dumb nuggin things was mm-hmm. crop rotation is an abomination. Yeah. So all the crops died because crop rotation keeps things healthy. Because you need that. They, they stopped yep. doing it. So she's like, nothing will grow here. Mm-hmm. Come on. So yeah, that's yeah. very good. The other thing is uh, their national anthem gets read to Vimes mm-hmm. by like one of the dark Clarks. And yeah, there's a good scene like yeah. there always is with Vimes and a, and a bureaucrat, yep. which I love. That's, and this, that's was, this good. is another good one. Yes. And it begins, Awake, you sons of the motherland. And Vimes says, No good could ever come of the first yeah, word the of first a national... Song be, the first word of a song being awake. And that is now how I am going to announce that I am awake every day for the rest of time. Oh, please don't. <laughs> with the booming, bellowing awake. She probably will, too. <laughs> Uh, okay, okay, let's move on. I'll, I promise I'll stop. Okay. Uh, well, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, what did we have for a pun or play on words? Oh, right. Surprisingly, there were more. Like, sometimes in the serious books, he doesn't do a lot of that. There was some wordplay in there this one. There was some wordplay in this. And um, there, were, there were two or three uh, candidates before we finally picked this one. I am just pulling it up. Here we go. Okay, so they're talking about um, uh, like guerrilla warfare because mm-hmm. their ar- their army uniforms are bright red. Yeah, um, and they're trying to hide in the trees. Yeah, and so uh, they talk about like blending into the surroundings. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jackram says, "I don't want to be a sunflower, though." He said, "Happily, there are only fir trees in the area, Sergeant." Point well made, sir. Jackram turned to the odd squad. All right, last detail, he bellowed. You heard the man. Spruce up. <sighs> Spruce up. Yeah, ah. I got it. I, I got it. Did you get it? Uh-huh. There were a couple good ones in this, though. There were. There was There was a bit of that. Um, also, all, I'm so dumb, but all of the generals being named after clothing items made me laugh the whole time through. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. I liked the payoff. Idiot. The blouse was not a blouse. Yeah. But apart from that, it's kind of dumb. Uh, okay, so the cliche count is incredibly light. Really light. Only two gingerlies, mm-hmm. only two surreptitiouses, and no anything else. So, you know, he's he's broadening his vocabulary. He's not leaning on so many of the crutches. Apart from the Vietnam thing, mm-hmm. there was none of his old tricks, really. Yeah, this one, in some of the more serious books, we find that it that we don't see as many of his sort of... I think we're just finding it in yeah. the later books. Yeah. I think... As he grows as a writer, his like he's leaning on a lot fewer of mm-hmm. his usual crutches, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, okay, great. Grades. What do you got? A plus. I love this. I love. It was very nearly perfect. It wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. There was a few problems, but oh god, yeah, I've I, given a couple A pluses yeah. that are like, yeah, it might not be completely perfect, but and really I love this a lot more this time. Like I've progressively this is what, liked your third it more. Time? Third or fourth. Third this or fourth? is. Mm-hmm. 
but each time I've this book really grows on you. Yeah, it does. And I'm not normally the sort of person who'd say, no, 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 you have to read it a couple of times. Yeah, no, it's a 12 hour audiobook. Uh, it's one of the longer ones. Also, I don't think that you should have to read something. Like, I think no. if you have to read something several times to get a feel for it, that maybe the book's not that great. I think for me, it was going in with a certain expectation. Reading it a second time, mm-hmm. knowing what it was, meant that I let my guard down and let it mm-hmm. speak to me in the way it meant to instead of the way, what yeah. I thought it was. So it's not so much that the book failed, it's that I wasn't approaching it the right way. Right. I was like, okay, this is a funny book, and here are jokes. And that, no, not really. Uh, I give it a B plus. Mm-hmm. It is very good. It is definitely among the best. Yep. But the character confusion thing really docked at a full letter grade for me because I had a hard time knowing who everyone is. And that's a pretty fundamental thing I expect from a book. And that's not just you. Like, no, I know. I, it wasn't like... I mean, like I have I, extra problems with that, but I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. But I was that. trying to pull the names and I was like, okay, which one was yeah, you, which? What yeah. you said when I named all the ones yeah. I could and you said, well, there's three more. And you were wrong. There were four there's more. There's four more. Yeah. Because it's hard to keep them all sorted. And it was a big cast. It was. Yeah. And... There is something about each one of them, yeah. but they didn't have enough character yeah. to them, I think. So there is that. All right. Uh, so that's all for this time. Next time, we will be doing the next Tiffany Aching book. Yes. There are five of those. We'll be doing book two of that, which oh, I, I believe them. is A Hat Full of Sky. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So that's next time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2020 and 2021. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.